0: Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with Ashley Mateus. Ashley is celebrating eight years of living in Germany, and we actually met through work. So we both work at an American Cultural Center that offers English language courses, and Ashley is in charge of managing the adult language courses. She got here through a pretty bold path. So uh, something I've always admired about Ashley is her attitude. She just decides she's going to do something and she finds a way to do it. So she talks us through how that approach um, led her to where she is today. So she came over to Germany eight years ago without speaking any German, without any experience teaching. And Without taking classes or anything, managed to learn the language. So whereas Jenny in the previous episode talked us through how to get a language course visa in Germany and how to learn the language that way, Ashley took more of a DIY approach and learned it sort of on the fly. She also talks to us about what steps were necessary for her to become a teacher. So which institutions will take you on without previous teaching experience, and then how to work your way up throughout the freelance English teaching world um, and. As I've already said, she is now managing that entire department at an American Cultural Center, so she was very successful in that, though it took a lot of time and a lot of hard work So I'm really excited to share that with you guys. I find her story completely inspiring and I definitely have turned to her in moments where I'm struggling with my own career here or with my own experience learning German and her experience and attitude has given me a lot of inspiration. Another cool thing about Ashley is that she's open to talking to other people who are interested in teaching abroad. So I'll share her information at the end of this episode, but keep that in mind if you're someone who's interested in pursuing teaching English abroad, specifically in Germany. All right, so without further ado, here's Ashley.
1: (laughs) I'm Ashley Mateos. I'm an American living in Germany. And how long have you been living in Germany? Oh, actually eight years now. Is this your anniversary? Just about. I moved here in January of 2010. I don't know which day exactly, but probably mid-January. So yeah, I've been here definitely for eight years now. Happy anniversary. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And where are you from in the States? Uh, That's kind of
1: hard to say. I grew up all over the world because my dad was in the military. I was actually born in Alaska, but I call Maine home. You lived in England for a while, right? Yeah, actually, that's where I met my husband. Oh. I went... To the University of Kent in Canterbury, England. That's in the southeast. And I did my master's there. And my husband was also doing his master's there on a one year Erasmus program. So while he was studying at the University of Freiburg, he also got to go to the University of Kent and get a master's degree. That's
0: not bad. Yeah.
1: Right? For free, too, is Erasmus. So, yeah. Lucky duck.
0: Pro tip: <laughs> Go to school <laughs> in Germany. Here, you can do everything for free. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, England, England was really expensive.
1: Really? Yeah. So we met in two that September two thousand eight is when we started our studies there. We played football, the European football kind. <laughs> <laughs> so we we played football or soccer together, and we also lived in the same dorm, and we had similar so friends that were in common. Uh, and we fell in love. Oh, yeah. And after a year, so back in September 2009, I went back to the States. He went back to Germany and we kind of left it at, OK, well, we want to stay together. I'm going to go back to the States, try to find work. He's going to go back to Germany, finish his de- other degree. Uh, and we'll you know try to see each other when we can and see how we can make this work. So I went back to the States September 2009, which was shortly after the economic crisis of 2008. Good timing. Yeah, right? <laughs> Good timing to come home with a master's in visual anthropology. Oh, no! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I went back to the States, moved back in with my mom in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philly, but in the, a really rural area. But I thought, hey, we're close enough to Philly, I can probably find some sort of job somewhat related to what i've studied or what i would like to do with my life Uh, and it was really really tough actually my biggest prospects were a babysitting job where they wanted my uh, advisor for my master's thesis to write a recommendation for (laughs) babysitting her child what yeah yeah she said oh you know i I like that you're that you're educated you know you have a higher education degree i I would really like to see something from your advisor what you want me to ask my (laughs) master's thesis advisor to write a recommendation about how i would babysit your child
0: right like how your visual anthropology degree really speaks to your ability to babysit to change a diaper to i don't know yeah. Sing and, your ABCs <laughs> real well. <laughs> so, and maybe with a British accent. Yeah, right? <laughs> and
1: that so that was big option number one. And then number two was uh, a part-time job at a car dealership. And I was on my third interview, I think, to get this part-time job working at a car dealership when I decided that, no, this isn't working. I'm going to move to Germany, be with my boyfriend, and teach English.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was that a thought? Like before you met your, your partner, had you thought about teaching abroad or anything like that? No. I, I mean,
1: I had heard of people doing it and I knew that I knew a lot of people actually who were doing it, but I had never saw myself as being one of those people. I also never saw myself as teaching English. Uh, but I, talked with Alex that's my my now husband uh, and he we kind of discussed options about what we could or what I could do if I came to Germany and he talked to some of his friends and he said oh well you know since you don't know any German you could come and teach English since you're a native speaker you have a degree so you're highly qualified and I, I did some research of my own online and saw that well if you teach English as a second language in Europe it's best if you have some sort of teaching certificate because they'll take your application more seriously, I guess. (laughs) So I I found a a program eye to eye and they actually help organize internships abroad, but also you can get your teaching certificate through them online. And it was set up to be a couple of months long, but I started, I think in November and I had my certificate by January shortly before I moved over here. So from November to January, I did my teaching certificate, and I also started to do a little bit of Rosetta Stone online learning with German, so I could at least have some sort of base to be able to introduce myself and maybe point at bread and
0: ask for it, please. <laughs> so you had no German previous to this? No, no. Okay, I so you no. you made this like bold move. You didn't speak a word to German. You were going to move to Germany, and you'd never taught that you were going to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brave. I yeah. like it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. I mean, so how was that? Like, the, I can't imagine the first couple months must have been really shocking or challenging. Um, for me, it
1: wasn't really shocking, I guess, because like, like I said, I grew up kind of all over and I had lived in Europe before as, as a kid. And also, I knew that I was going to be with the man that I love. (laughs) And uh, so that part was okay, and and it was soothing. And I knew that, well, okay, I know that I want to be with him, or we want to be together. And once we're there, we'll just figure things out. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is a very, very well-prepared man.
0: (laughs) He's German. Yeah, exactly. He's German. So
1: (laughs) it's, it's in his blood. Yeah. And he actually did a lot of research on his own. He spoke with some of his friends about how I could go about doing it. So as soon as I arrived, he said, okay, we have to register you at the um, the little local authorities because I was planning on moving there and living there, not just staying as a tourist. And then I also had to contact language schools to try to get job offers that I could then turn into the Ausländeramt, which is the immigration office, uh, in order to get my visa. And so he was familiar with this, well, not familiar with the process, but he had made himself familiar with the process. Right, he researched it. Exactly. But we also ran into the problem where the information that he had uh, didn't necessarily contradict the information that I had found on the U.S. Embassy website, but the U.S. Embassy website said that I needed some things that the German site said that I didn't, and the German site had some things that the U.S. Embassy site didn't say that I needed. So uh, it was it was a little bit confusing to start with, and neither one of us, even, you know, Alex is German, he also had no idea to, how to go about all of this. This was his first time trying to help an American find work and live in the country. And so um, we just went through and gathered up all of the paperwork. I think we probably had excess amounts of things. I even had (laughs) my criminal background check, my birth certificate that was notarized. And uh, we ended up not needing half of these things, but we were overly prepared. And that actually made the visa process go by pretty swiftly. So Um, what did,
0: do you remember what you ended up needing? And what what was the visa that you ended up getting?
1: I ended up getting a, what's called a
0: Freiberufliche uh,
1: Visa, so a freelance visa, And that was because I had job offers from two or three different language schools. And by job offer, I mean, they wrote a letter saying that, okay, we only hire native speakers. She's a native speaker of English. uh, So we want her to teach X amount of lessons she would make about so much money. uh, And if she gets her visa, we would hire her. Because that's, there's a bit of a catch-22 where you can't get your visa unless you have job offers, but you also can't get a job offer unless you have your visa.
0: Oh, that's goofy. Yeah. So wow. everything
1: has to kind of come together all at the same time.
0: And I'm sure this is explained only on the German... Um not embassy, but the immigration office website in German. In German, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that had to have been... <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank goodness for Alex. Right, yeah. <laughs> he
1: went with me to every every appointment that I needed to go to. Um, for the language schools, I contacted them on my own, and I went there in person, and I was able to do everything in English because that's what they were interested in, sure. right? They were interested in my English skills, uh, and so I... Through Alex, through some of his friends who were actually studying to be English teachers themselves, I was able to not only find work, but also start getting into the German language also. Because that was, when I first moved here, we were still, or I moved into his little tiny apartment, which was in a village outside of Freiburg. And that was a little bit difficult just because there wasn't anybody around. So if I didn't leave the house, I wouldn't interact with anyone at all. Right. Yeah? You can kind of forget where you are. Exactly. And then you can get kind of lonely too. And at the time when I came here, Alex was taking a break from his studies and he was doing shift work. And it was, it was pretty rough because for certain shifts, he would go and stay at his dad's. So I wouldn't see him for a whole week at a time. And wow. I would be there in this apartment on my own, no German. Wow. Yeah. I mean, luckily, y- you know, you-, you can really get by with English in Germany. So I can go to the grocery store and look at things, read things on my own. You know, the numbers are the same. Right. <laughs> so. yeah.
0: The numbers and yeah. the off, then honestly, that's a much bigger help than you might think off the bat. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So you can kind of figure things out and put the pieces together. You can point to things and smile. And, you know, you can also ask people things in English. And even though we were in a smaller town, there, there, was, there were still people who would be able to help me. Yeah. That's good. But I also wanted to make sure that I learned the language because I knew that, well, okay, if I want to stay here, I need to learn the language because I also don't plan on being an English teacher forever. Definitely. Yeah. I, I want to get a job in, in a company. And in order to do that, I'm going to need German.
0: So there's kind of these two paths playing out. One where you're trying to establish your your teaching and then this other where you're trying to get your feet under you in the language. So let's walk through let's walk through the language one first cuz that probably was wild. So did you <laughs> take any courses? What kind of things did you do? I
1: so I did do a little bit of online learning through Rosetta Stone. But I think what I only paid for like a three month subscription or something, Rosetta Stone's pretty expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. Oh. And this was before the now ingenious app Duolingo existed. Oh wow. Um, so yeah. So I That's didn't, the go to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't have or and I also didn't have a smartphone, so I wouldn't have been able to use an app anyways. I don't know what in two thousand ten if there would have I guess there would have been
0: there might have been some yeah. they do i mean i use duolingo through the website um which is pretty good but mm-hmm. but they might not have had it
1: mm-hmm.
0: so so big back then
1: yeah so basically i did a little bit of online learning myself or at least i tried to and then of course with alex we knew each other and we had fallen in love in england in english and so um, we would try to every once in a while speak a little bit of German, just basically with him asking me how I was. So very simple things. Or maybe if we went shopping, I could point to things and say what they were (laughs) in German, or he could point to things and I could say what they were. And so he tried to help me a little bit with my vocabulary development. I even got one of those uh, picture dictionaries, but yeah, that was very helpful for learning vocabulary. And then eventually what I would do is I would meet up with some of Alex's friends who they could all of course, speak fluent English, <laughs> as a lot of people uh, who go to university can and do. When I felt comfortable enough, I would say, okay, let's let's speak in German now, and I only want to speak in German now. And I knew that, well, okay, I'm not going to be able to say everything that I want to say, I'm not going to be able to express myself, but I have to try, and I have to try at some point. So probably, yeah, probably around April, actually, of my, my first year, that's why I started to tell people okay well you know I, I want to speak German now and I, I kind oh. of learned German through going to parties or gatherings or going out for, for coffee with some of Alex's friends uh, and just taking it slow but really letting myself get immersed because
0: yeah I mean I was gonna say April's April from January is not very slow that's a, it's a pretty aggressive tact that's yeah good. but it's also I, I
1: think you kind of Nowadays, you have to force yourself into it. It's not like before where you could go to a foreign country and no one would be able to speak English, right? So you would learn the language a lot faster. Now you go to a foreign country, especially like Germany, everybody knows English. So you can easily get by and you know you can get by. And so you know you have that safety net and you can always rely on your English skills. And so what I had to do was trick myself into thinking, no, Nobody knows English. And I also had to be very strict because as soon as someone would find out that I was American, and that would be within the first, you know, after the first couple of words that I said, of right, course. Pretty right? quickly. The first <laughs> R you hit yeah, and you're yeah, out. That's, and you're, you're, you're <laughs> done. Yeah. And, um... And they would say, "Oh, you're you're from America? Great! We can speak English together. I can practice my English." And and I would have to tell them, "No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm in Germany. I need to learn German. And so, you know, I'm not teaching you right now. I get paid to do that. Right? You can come to my classes. <laughs> exactly. If you, if you want to <laughs> speak English, come to one of my classes. But um, I'm trying to learn the language, and so we're going to speak in German. Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, so I didn't have any classes up until maybe my second year here, a couple friends and my family got together and they gave me a gift certificate to a language school. And I used that to have a couple of single lessons with a teacher. And through that, I learned a couple of great tips, especially with writing and uh, sentence structure in german that i still use and remember today and so i thought that was fantastic just having this one-on-one instruction but that's expensive i, I could only afford it because somebody else had paid for it yeah right, so All it's my friends gift. and family had chipped in on it uh, and then probably a couple months later i decided to uh, the same school was offering an intensive basically a two-week course over the easter break uh, because it was a school holiday, I wasn't teaching at all, and so I knew I had the time. And I said, "Okay, well, um, I'm making money now, so I can afford it, and I have the time, so I'm going to do it." So I had a two-week intensive B1 German course, but that was probably also after living here for two and a half years, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, and I mean, to this day, I I feel comfortable in the language. You know, I've been here for, like I said, eight years now. God. Eight years Snuck now? Snuck up on you. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like my my German skills are good. My grammar is terrible, but that's because I never I never learned it in the school or anything like that. And honestly, it doesn't bother me. I know that it's bad, but at the same time, I can get my point across. I can communicate fluently, and that's what's important to me.
0: You got far enough. That, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And also, that grammar is bonkers anyway. And yes. So the native speakers are messing it up often. About that. <laughs> it's always that, that once you get to that certain point, that's the nice thing about German is, is you get a lot of forgiveness about the grammar because everyone's like, well, it's insane anyway. It so,
1: is. It's a tough yeah. language. OK,
0: so this was a lot of like a lot of you just putting your foot down and seeking out like a diverse pool of of methods to learn it. Mm-hmm. So that's the one path. And then how was the teaching going? So you got pretty early on some offers. I'm guessing that was within that 90-day window that right. Americans are given. Yeah. Okay. So I had job offers um yeah
1: yeah in January right right away I got a couple of things and I started teaching officially in March. Uh that and that's basically just when classes opened up for me. I started some single lessons and then I also um, filled in for some courses, a couple of substitute lessons, and then I was able to kind of gather, yeah, make a living that way, I guess. Yeah. I started at in Lingua, which is a really big language school, mm-hmm. and you can find them throughout Germany. And they provide training as well. So for anybody who's looking to get started, I think going to a school like Lingua or Berlitz is usually where you would get started if you don't have any experience. And, uh, and then I also highly recommend once you do get experience to approach other language schools, smaller language schools, they usually pay better and the atmosphere is better. Um, I did not like working at in lingua oh, at all. No. <laughs> and as far as I've heard, not many people do, but it's something yeah. that everybody goes through. Yeah. So it's sort kind of, of paying
0: your dues kind of a thing. Exactly. And if yeah. they're giving you training and experience, I mean that. hmm. That's worth it too, for, to, to some extent for yeah. some amount yeah. of time. But that's also, it, it's a process. If you're looking to be a freelance English teacher, you
1: at the beginning, you take everything that they, they give you because you need it. You need the hours to get your visa and you also need to make a living, right? And then eventually, once you establish yourself as a teacher, once you have repeat customers or students requesting you as their teacher, then you can start tailoring your schedule. You can start... Saying, "Oh no, I, I'm I don't want to do Fridays at seven in the morning," <laughs> or Ooh. "No, I don't want to do Wednesdays, Wednesdays at nine o'clock at night." Jeez. Yeah, I'm I'm only going to work this time or this time, and you can limit the locations where you work as well. But it, it takes time to build that
0: up. And what were the requirements for the visa? What did how many hours or how whatever they were looking for? Uh, it wasn't really a matter of hours for getting
1: that initial visa. It was just that you had job offers. And that there was potential for you to make money. Okay. And I also had to show that I had money in the bank to support myself for the next couple of months. Uh, And I needed to show proof of health insurance. And we also provided a letter from our landlord saying that um, my boyfriend's father was actually paying the rent because he was still in school. Right. And so that was not a cost that they needed fa- to factor in to how much money I would need to make.
0: So that sort of simplifies it too. There's a little bit less of a, a strain or an expectation there. And then that lasted for the first year you were there? My visa? So. Yeah. You, um,
1: Yes. I'm... Yes. My visa lasted for a year and whenever I went in to renew it, it was also for a year. But that was dependent on my health insurance because the health insurance I had was uh, through a... It was technically travel insurance for Americans. However, you could... The longest you could have it for was a year, but you could always renew it. And so for me, it made the most sense and it was also cheaper than any of the German ones that I had looked into. Uh, And so... That's also why I could only get a visa for one year at a time. Whereas I think when you first start out for the first three years, they'll give you a visa for a year, but after that, then they'll start giving you longer visas as long as you have the health insurance for it.
0: That's nice. Yeah. Because I know those visits to the office are just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And they're long and they're tedious and you always need different paperwork mm-hmm. than what you have somehow. But that's also why everybody needs an Alex.
1: So yeah. that way <laughs> you show up and you're over prepared, but then they see that you're overprepared. You have all the forms that they need and then some, and then it just goes by really smoothly. They'd say, Oh, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh, do you want this? <laughs> <No." Yeah. laughs> and then they say, Go back in the hallway and then they you know fill out the little form then they call you back in you have to pay 80 euros
0: yeah
1: and then you have your visa
0: and then you breathe a sigh of relief (laughs) (laughs) so how long did you teach for total in total i taught for five
1: years wow yeah i i taught for a good three years and then i decided to pull back on my teaching hours because I, at that point I felt like my German was all right. And I wanted to try to find a job in another company or in a company, in a German company. And I also, the, my problem was that I was uh, overqualified, underexperienced, right, now, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Definitely. And in Germany, it's really important to have all of that paperwork proving the qualifications that you have and it's not a matter of oh i so for example if i want to be a, a secretary if i want to be someone's assistant answering their phone um, maintaining their work schedule i need to have a degree or an internship or an apprenticeship that says that i can answer phones and maintain a schedule oh yeah that's and, ridiculous. It, yeah. I, I mean, th- <laughs> things definitely are changing here in Germany. Yeah. But at, at that point, it, it was I kept running into all these roadblocks where, no, I, I don't have an ausbildung uh, in what I studied. I studied something and then I worked as something else. In America, that's normal. Fine. Yeah. yeah. That's how it goes. But here, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I actually found myself applying for some internships, but then the Ausländerbehörde, this immigration office, told me that if I took an internship, which I almost did, working, it was a marketing internship because I was interested in marketing, and they said that if I took that, it was a completely separate paragraph, so it's a completely different visa, and it's actually a lower status than my freelance visa wow. because I had been a freelancer for three years and I was making a solid income and they had all this paperwork leading up to it. I was in very good standing as far as the visas were concerned. And then if I went to an internship, I would basically drop all the way back down to the start again. And after that internship, I could not go back to freelancing.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I would have to enter the job market within that internship field.
0: That's pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and so with
1: all of that information presented to me, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to take an unpaid internship and risk not being able to teach again to make money. Definitely, yeah. So To voluntarily
0: take an unpaid step significantly back.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, (laughs) so I decided against the internship, and I picked up teaching again, but at the same time, I decided to... um, So I was still teaching full-time, basically. And full-time teaching means about 20 hours per week because you also calculate about an hour for prep time, travel time. Uh, I was probably teaching more than I was probably teaching about 25 hours per week. And I just started to look for jobs. Then Alex proposed to me. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we we decided to get married in 2015 and at that point i i spoke with alex about this and i said okay i after we get married i'm not teaching anymore because i knew that once we were married i would not need to teach in order to keep my visa i wouldn't need to be a freelancer anymore i could actually try to find something else and and i said you know this is the point where i need to take that risk yeah, At that point, he had a job, he was done with his studies, so financially it was okay, it was a good decision. Uh, and then I ended up getting a job at the Karl House, the German-American Institute in Freiburg, uh, just because, I mean, I, I was teaching there, so I knew the, the people who worked there, and I actually asked my now colleague uh, if, because I knew that her assistant was going away, she was going back to school, I think, And I asked her if that position was open, if she would consider me for it, because I'm trying to get out of teaching and into some others. And I thought that that would be a good transition from teaching into being an assistant, helping organizing language courses. Uh, Oh, and a little bit of a flashback. While I was teaching English courses, I also took on... At one of the schools, I was the head of the English department. And another school, I ended up being the assistant. So Ooh. I was the assistant to the boss. <laughs> and I, I helped organize courses and manage them a little bit. So I had a little bit of that background in me as well. And I was hoping to then make that transition because for Germans, that's
0: the most logical step. And, yep, <laughs> and when in Germany do the logical thing. Yeah, it will logical, be just okay. Practical, yeah.
1: And when I mentioned this to Uta, she said, "Oh, actually wait, I think that there's going to be another position opening." And sure enough, what a week or two weeks later, uh, Hubertus, who is my uh my predecessor announced that he was going to be stepping down from his position there because he got a he got another job offer. And so I said, oh, that's fantastic. So I applied for it. I got the job. So now I am coordinating the adult language courses at the Karl Schwartz House. I'm also in charge of our German-American business community and our test center leader. Yeah. It's
0: a lot all in one. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff, though.
1: Right? That's I, I started out at... Fifty percent within three months, up to eighty percent, and then just last year I moved up to a hundred percent. Wow, so, yeah,
0: that's great. Mm-hmm. I do like how the Germans do that. Instead of it just being part time or full time, mm. they actually label what percentage of full time you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, eighty percent, you're coming in four days out of the five days, mm-hmm. or you know whatever your schedule is agreed upon. I think that's actually really. Um, that's one of those those logical, practical things that you know you look at it and you're like, hey. That does make sense. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And
1: I think if anybody has the chance to take an 80% position, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having Fridays off or maybe having Mondays off. It's just I feel 80% is the way to go. I personally wanted to go up to 100% because, well, money, basically. Sure. Yeah, I have student loans right? As most Americans do. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> the I, good
0: American tradition yeah. <laughs> of having your entire adulthood being haunted by your student debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so, and, and now these two paths that we were talking about cross where your German came from nothing to fluent and your teaching uh, or your job prospects went from a babysitter or a car salesman (laughs) to teaching English really successfully and building a career off of that in, in um, sort of laying that groundwork for people who come next and and organizing Mm. the courses. That's pretty great. That's, that's, that's the, the expat success story. I feel like right there. (laughs) And you have the romance layer tied in to just, yes.
1: Romance to boot. (laughs) One of my friends from back home, she used to make fun of me and she would say, Oh, yeah, of course, you had to go run off with a guy whose first language isn't even English. And then I would tell her, I was like, Well, I think his English is better than yours, actually.
0: Guess, so. <laughs> it probably is, but I'm sure if you asked him, he would say, I can speak a little bit yeah, English. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> My English just a is little bit. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the classic German response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Modesty. Yeah. Well, that's really, really neat to hear. And, um, and you've stayed in Freiburg or the area the whole time. Yes. Yeah.
1: And that's really because, um, so my husband's family is not from this area, but is relatively close by. And he studied at Freiburg university. When I moved here, I didn't know how long I would be staying here. If we would be staying here at all, if maybe after he finished his studies, we would go back to the States, which was always an option. And we always just said, okay, well, we're just going to see where the job prospects prospects take us. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and so I fortunately found a job here. My husband is still working in Basel, which is nearby, and
0: um, yeah, I I really like Freiburg. It's. I mean, it's the sunniest city in Germany. right? How could you not like it? <laughs> it's the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. And thank you for telling us all of the ins and outs of how you did all of this, from learning the language to getting a job and, and all of that. Um, and now I think we'll turn to how I like to close out the show okay. with my rapid-fire round called Zack, Zack, Zack. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you three questions um, about... German things, American things, and you just give me your quick gut answer. No okay. no pausing or thinking or explanation. Oh, okay. Do you need a moment? I'm ready. I'm what pumped up. What is your favorite German TV show? Um, I really like Tatort Reiniger, Ooh. which is
1: Crime Scene Cleanup per Person <laughs> in English. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> and I also like Stromberg, which is the German version of The Office, Ooh. even though half the time I don't get the jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um what is the food you miss most about home? Oh. Popcorn. <laughs> but you
1: can get popcorn here. Uh it's harder to find salty popcorn, but I don't have a microwave so I can't Ooh. make my own popcorn. I know you can make it in a pot, but it's too messy for me. <laughs> so I guess I miss the convenient foods of America. <laughs> right. So like the
0: microwavable buttery salty yes. bag of popcorn. Yes. Yeah, when you put it in your microwave that has a button Called popcorn. Called popcorn, yes, exactly. Solid answer. Yes. And what is the best holiday in Germany? I love
1: Fastnacht. Yeah? Yeah, Fastnacht is the German carnival, and with parades and candy being thrown everywhere, and plenty of drinking of course and everybody can dress up in costumes always good i think fast is the one time a year where you see the germans cut loose yeah (laughs) unless it's the world cup time oh sure
0: yeah then it's acceptable (laughs) and it's in the middle of february too usually so just in time to give you a little pick me up in the middle of the long cold winter Mm -hmm, definitely that's great yeah well, those were your socks, socks, socks. Okay, good. Thanks. Good. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the X Ashley. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, there you have it. As I mentioned in the beginning, Ashley is open to hearing from people who are interested in teaching English in Germany. So feel free to reach out to her on LinkedIn at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Matthias, M-A-T-T-H-A with an umlaut, U-S. Thank you, as always, to Side Hug for the Theme Music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. Thank you to Amy Lunky Art for the logo. And thank you to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in life and in podcasting. You can find his podcast, Cosmo Public Podcast, Wherever podcasts are available, and you can also find the Expat Cast there. So please go ahead and hit subscribe, give us a review, leave us a rating. If you want to connect with us on social media, that's at the Expat Cast. Come, let me know if you are a teacher abroad, what that's been like for you. Come, let me know what you liked about this episode, what you want to hear more of. The next episode, we're going to talk with a Fulbright scholar who's living here in Germany as an English teacher under the Fulbright umbrella. I personally find Fulbright very confusing because. There's like 20 different things you can do with fulbright all over the world and dane helps clear that up for us so definitely stay tuned until then palazzo out